have reached Cindy <laughs> and the Mrs. Impossible show. This is Mrs. Impossible. Isn't that great music? I think I sang a little bit with it last time, too. I don't know how that came through, but hello and welcome to Mrs. Impossible. I never thought it would be possible that I could sit and talk for a whole hour without stopping, but I've become this new person since I've moved to Australia and experienced the heartwarming humans of Australia. Um, yeah, no, seriously, I never thought I could talk for a whole hour. Okay, there was one subject I knew I could talk for a whole hour about, and that's the, well, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll tell you guys another time. But anyway, but other than that, like, I never thought I could sit and talk for an hour. You know what it is? It's the joy bubbling up from within me that enables me to talk nonstop. I have so much joy deep in my heart, and it grows every day that I'm here in Australia. I just zippered my shirt. That wasn't anything else. If you heard a little in the background or whatever. Okay, I was. Look, Zane can attest. He's here in the room. Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mrs. Impossible again. Welcome, welcome. Okay. So I think this is episode eight. Is this episode eight? Zane says yes. Welcome to episode eight. And lately, I haven't been wanting to determine the segments that uh, the show segments ahead of time. I've been thinking uh, the past show or two that I'll come up with the show segments as I speak. Uh, and usually, usually I will have um, a Mission Impossible segment that touches on, you know, what I want the most in life right now. The thing that seems impossible, but desire will take me there. And... Uh, and then the fresh pick thoughts, those are kind of like the staple segments. I thought of another segment for today, but we'll see how I'm feeling. We'll see how I'm feeling as we go along. So let's start with the fresh pick thoughts. And here we go. Fresh pick thoughts is just <laughs> completely unrehearsed, unplanned, whatever comes to mind while I'm sitting here. I just check that little fire in my chest, my heart, and see what I'm feeling at the moment, what I'm feeling passionate about, which, like I said, seems to happen constantly here in Australia. You know, hmm. You know, I came here to Australia in 2013, and now it's 2021, and there is something going on in the background. It's okay, it's recording. Yeah, just ignore that. Yeah, and so I came here in 2013, just coming out of a, um, I think... You know, actually, just having been birthed really into the to the world, uh, well, into the world, because <laughs> in a sense, emotionally, because only uh, a year and a half or two years before that, I kind of felt alive for the first time after reading a book that completely altered my entire worldview and made me feel alive for the first time. It's kind of been growing since then. And then being in Australia has allowed me to let that grow and just really be myself because there are just so many more friendly people. And they just, you know, there's just something here called tall poppy syndrome. And I heard that a long time ago where, you know, no one uh, wants, no one tries to be taller or greater or better than the other. Whereas in New York, you know, you know, you know, if you're from New York, <laughs> that it's all about getting higher and climbing the ladder and being proud and loud. You know that. For the most part, that's not the case here, guys. And so I've really chilled out. I've really, I've really <laughs> defrosted 
on who I am here and I'm just really happy about it. So as I'm walking over here, I'm like, wow, I actually have a burning in my chest to just sit down and talk and I'm just reflecting on who I was before I came here and it just, I just didn't have that much joy in me to be able to do that. But like I said before, the, the thing that I did want to talk about, I was really just more frustrated than anything, was uh, this crazy, look, there's, there's whether it's under the, under, in the name of politics or religion or government or social groups or land or whatever territory, whatever, whatever you want to put it in the name of, or tribes or food, whatever you want to, <laughs> people hate each other and love each other in the name of something. And sometimes it's religion. And <laughs> there are good forms of religion, there are bad forms, right? And good is in profitable, healthy, really good for you. And then there's the bad form said, I grew up under this, and probably a lot of you did too, who are listening to this, grow up under the idea that there was uh, this place called hell and that it was a place of unending conscious torment. How can you say that lightly? <laughs> it's only the beliefs of like how many millions of humans throughout history, <laughs> well, throughout the last, uh, well, I don't know how many thousands of years. Anyway, it's a crazy thought. Um, and I grew up scared of a God who would either allow that or be incapable of rescuing people from that place, AKA hell. And what happened in 2011 was I read a book that actually showed me the original language and context, cultural context and actual original language of that term, right? Of that term, uh, hell. And for the first time in my life, I under just the whole God story suddenly made sense because that idea of unending conscious torment, AKA hell, this actually traces back to Greek mythology, not a, not a monotheistic religion. Actually, it traces back to a polytheistic, uh, philosophical and, uh, uh, Greek worldview, um, where there were multiple uh, gods and multiple places where the dead go. Um, and it was used metaphorically in in places uh, in the Bible, and it was not used literally, and that is very obvious from the context. Anyway, so reading that completely changed everything for me. I was no longer scared of this God who I was who I grew up with. And because I, you know, believed it. And, and even if you don't fully believe it, you, you get kind of scared of, well, what if it is true? And, you know, there is this place of unending conscious torment. Well, you will at least want a little insurance policy to at least half believe so that you don't go there when you die, right? So that's what happened in 2011 is I found out the historical and linguistic truth behind those, those words in the Hebrew scriptures and in the Greek scriptures. Those are Christian and, and Hebrew words and religious words. And that changed everything for me. I was like, whoa, God is not an a-hole and I can say that <laughs> if he's real he's not that <laughs> you know what if he's real he's not what I was taught growing up that he is either powerless to save people from this place called hell or he's unwilling oh so that's the only thing I could have talked about for hours <laughs> uh you know, years ago. Actually, to tell you the truth, I was really frustrated, too frustrated to probably even talk about it. But I did write music about it with, with the frustration that I felt about the fact that so many people haven't actually had the courage to question these ideas, probably because they're scared that if they do, they'll go to the place that they're actually questioning. And that's the 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 vicious cycle psychologically is if you question it you might go there i think humanity is stuck in this oh i'm getting serious guys i usually like to keep it kind of light i'm getting kind of dark but you know it it's it's you know i'm freed from that <laughs> and so i that has that has you know i'm still 
you know, you know, when you hold something down for so long and, uh, oh, did you ever stand in one of those door frames as a kid and you press your hand, you know, you're standing and you press your right hand against the right side of the door frame and the left hand against the left side of the door frame and you press, press, press for like 60 seconds and then you step forward and all of a sudden your arms start to raise. It feels like your arms just lifting. That's me since I've read the book. My soul has slowly raised and I actually got the tattoo of the book cover art on my ribs and it says love wins never again will i fall for that unless i become crazy and delusional like so something happens to my brain god forbid if there's a god god forbid <laughs> but uh no 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 that's not me i'm happy here in australia new new soul new heart new worldview here i am <laughs> okay so you know what i was looking i was just looking at my notes thinking uh trying to think about whether i should move on to a new segment or or continue in this one and i think i do have a note here and it's kind of half fresh picked thoughts but it's a note so it's kind of not <laughs> the apple just fell from the tree it's not so fresh but <laughs> so i have a note here about how i really feel like i'm a more wholehearted person and ironically that does tie in exactly with what i was just talking about i do feel like a more wholehearted person since i discovered that and the reason why is because suddenly it became historically, linguistically, and logically, finally, obvious that this idea of this God uh, that I had grown up with no longer exists. But if he does, then he is made of, if, then he is fully loving, the most loving and intelligent human uh, metaphor that you can think of, uh, mother or father. Imagine the most loving, intelligent, and gracious version that you can think of in your mind, and he is that. And that's, I think that's what enables me to be so, you know, self-forgiving and and feeling free enough to talk and, you know, it, feeling loved enough in my heart to be rejected if you want to reject me. And I just mean that generally. Like, I, I feel the ability to just be myself because I know there isn't some God who's going to be angry at me. Do you know I was so religious? Here's a good... <laughs> Years ago, I was, I was really, like a toxic form of religion. Um, but I was so bad at one time that I didn't want to dress pretty or sexy because I was afraid that it would make God angry that I got the attention. So I dressed kind of blah. And I remember at uni or university college, they call it in America and they call it uni here, I was, I, I kind of had a crush on one of the uh, adjunct professors, and I think he kind of did too. <laughs> have one on me. He wasn't mine, but I had seen him around, and we had talked a few times. And he said to me, you know, he seemed interested in me because he would always chat with me. And he said, he said, you know, you're really pretty, but why do you dress like you're wearing a potato sack? <laughs> I will never forget that because I had a little crush on him, and he told me I wear potato sacks, and he was right. I was very uh, the toxic form of religion at that time. And now I feel loved enough and I feel like if there's a God, he's gracious enough. I don't even think there even needs to be grace for me being me and dressing the way I want to dress. We can be who we want to be. And he probably, he probably is like, yeah, you be you. <laughs> you do you. You dress how you want to dress. As long as it's, you know, not intentionally hurting anyone, you you do what's authentic and true and a true expression of what brings you joy and makes you feel alive. So that's the note combined with the other thing that I wanted to say. So that's it. I think that brings us to the end of Fresh Pick Thoughts. Ooh, that was a deep one. <laughs> that was pretty. F There's so much more I would want to say about that, guys. It really is. Um, I want to feel good when I say I, 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 this is all about feeling good. 
because that's, you know, we, we can allow ourselves to think good thoughts or thoughts that make us feel bad. And I can talk about some of the stuff that was difficult to go through at that time, but I, there's so much good that there's no time to talk about the bad. And I'm just so happy about where I've come to in life and what I've had to go through. And I'm still peeling back, you know, sometimes I'll hear an old worldview uh, of the old God in my head and, um, and it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> it makes my skin crawl. It makes sense control. So I so um, that does still happen sometimes. And then I remember who I am. I remember what that book taught me. And thank God for tattoos. I love it. I got it on my ribs so that I never forget and always remember. As long as my brain works and I don't get dementia. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Okay, that's the end of Fresh Pick Thoughts. <laughs> clean up. It's clean up time. The clean up segment where I uh, clean up or backtrack on something I've said in a previous episode (laughs) or just, you know, elaborate on something that, you know, when I, you know, after recording the show, standing in the shower, I'm like, oh, shoot, I should (laughs) have. Oh, don't should here. That's that's a bad word. Okay, but I think I'd like to elaborate on this. And hmm, there were a few things this past week since the last show. I thought, oh, I want to talk about that. I just want to clean that up. Oh, yeah. And the big one was the last episode. There wasn't really anything to like fix or correct. But in the last episode, I rushed probably one of the most important parts of the show to me, really. Uh, Probably one of my favorite topics that I've brought up with you guys since season one. And now we're in season two of the show was is uh, this book, uh, this little segment from the book, The Middle Finger Project. You know, I went to university. I finished with highest honors. I earned very good grades, well, great grades. And I've always been kind of like the high achiever type, but I hated every moment of reading. Like sitting down with a book is an anxious experience for me 99% of the time. I am still able to ace exams by skipping parts of books. And that's probably what I did for most, if not all of my education, is just knowing what's the important part to read and just read that uh, because my brain has an ability to fill in the blanks and figure out what's important and what's not. So for me to actually read a book cover to cover, cover, cover to cover, for me to actually read a book cover to cover and enjoy it, it's a little bit miraculous. <laughs> it's just rare. It's rare. But The Middle Finger Project is one of those you know, handful or two of books in my entire life that I actually probably just a handful. Uh, one of them, one of them being tattooed on me. Actually, I have two ta- two book cover art tattoos on my body. That's, I only have two tattoos, and they're both book cover art from two books that changed my life. I didn't get it. I didn't get any book cover art from the Middle Finger Project. It's it, it was impactful, but not that impactful. But this. <laughs> this book I did read cover to cover and I also got the audiobook you know I'm loving a book when I read it cover to cover and I listen to the audiobook <laughs> and there's probably only you know uh, three books I've ever done that with four four you can ask me what they are if you're really curious I'll tell you but anyway middle finger project so at, I rushed it at the end because I showed up late for this podcast recording, so I wanted to hurry up and clean up and and uh, do the right thing. But I rushed through something that was just so important because right now, if you look around, <laughs> people are miserable. 
<laughs> have you noticed how many people are just miserable? And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've kind of been put on a conveyor belt of society, go through school and then become a worker of, you know, pick a field and go become a worker in that field. You're put on a conveyor belt. And unless you finally shake yourself out of this conveyor belt and say, no, 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 wait, I want something else. Put me on a different conveyor belt or let me be the creator of a conveyor belt. Like you, until you shake yourself off the conveyor belt, you're stuck on that thing. And you're like, why am I unhappy? Look down. Anyway, my point is the Middle Finger Project is all about finding what you love and doing it for a living. And if you can't see yourself doing that so soon, then starting anyway. <laughs> And I, I, you know, I, there was a time when I did very well in my career, very well, so well that the owner of the company who I worked very closely with, an international company, said to me, well, what did he say? What was the words? He said, you're so well-rounded. And I don't remember, he, he's, it, I don't remember his exact words, but it was something like you, you know, to the effect of you hold yourself together so well, you seem so well-rounded, like you got everything straight, got everything right. You do so great at, at what you do. You seem like, you know, shiny and sparkly. He didn't say that, but you know. Meanwhile, at the same time that he said this to me, I was literally losing my eyesight from boredom, getting going to the heart doctor for heart tests to see if I was going to have a heart attack, going to the sleep doctor to see why, um, you know, I'm falling asleep randomly in, uh, you know, at the job. So I was actually losing my eyesight, having feelings in my chest, feeling like I'm going to have a heart attack and randomly falling asleep uh, in, a, in a meeting. I remember fall, literally falling asleep, like just like my eyes, eyelids closing and falling asleep. <laughs> and all three of these ended up being symptoms of me not actually loving my role. And I, <laughs> I remember the two doctors, uh, the sleep doctor and the heart doctor, they did not communicate with each other. I didn't give one, you know, information about one to the other. But when they both got the results of the tests, both of them, in the two separate doctor appointments, spun their chair around, rolled their chair close to me and said, you need to quit your job. <laughs> they really said that? That was their instruct. That was the doctor's advice. Quit your job. The irony is uh, when I did quit my job, you know, the only time I ever needed glasses was, you know, this one time I needed you know, the, the eye doctor while I was working at the, in this particular role. The eye doctor said, oh, yeah, you definitely need glasses. So I wore glasses. Do you know when I left the job, I didn't need glasses anymore? Suddenly my eyes started working again. I really do think your emotional state causes your body to start going in disrepair. And if you're not doing what you love, these symptoms show up like chest pains. Well, I'm sure that was anxiety related and, you know, falling asleep, utter boredom, not taking care of myself, all of that. Okay, the sleep might have been because of more diet, actually, at that point. But I'm sure the the complete lack of genuine spark in my soul had something to do with the fatigue as well, that I just was not really loving what I was doing. I was loving the paycheck and I was loving having something stable. But even then, I wasn't even loving. I was just grateful uh, to have something great, you know, that, that pays bills very well. So when I read The Middle Finger Project, it was just kind of reawakening, very important uh, part of, part of I think, what every human needs to be working on. And, you know, just in general, I, I mean, careers, you know, 40 hours roughly of your week, right? Every week. In general, I always say, because you know I'm a credentialed personal coach, which includes life, business, and career coaching. I'm always, you know, pushing people 
to be doing what they love and find what they love. And if they don't know what that is, then their purpose is to be putting themselves in context and being uh, putting out the finding the breadcrumbs to what that thing is. So either you know what you love and you go for it no matter what, or you don't know what you love. So your purpose is to find what it is that you love and put yourself in different contexts, whether it's reading a new book or traveling to a new town or a new country or or remodeling your bedroom. Like just put yourself in different contexts until one little thing starts sparkling and catching your attention. And that could also mean, you know, finding new people on YouTube to listen to or new speakers or making new friends. So you're either on the path of what you love or you are, uh, or you know what you love, or either you know what you love and you're on the path to making that happen or you're on the path of trying to find what it is that, that you love. And that has to do with everything in life. But usually career is the biggest one because you spend so much time on that throughout the week. I will never forget uh, the feeling of coming out of that role. And ironically, or not ironically at all, actually, quite fittingly, it was <laughs> it was a life coach who who got me out of that mindset that I had to be there to tell you the truth. And at the time, and I shared already at the beginning of the show, how how toxically religious I was in the past. And I was at that time so much so that I thought, well, even non-religious, some non-religious people will say this as well. But at that time, I thought life coaching is kind of wrong. I thought it was wrong. And I thought it was embarrassing. And I thought it was cheesy and stupid. And I was like, oh, I don't want to want to go to a life coach. How cheesy and terrible is that? And and what if um, oh, a guy just waved to me through the window? Well, that was nice. Hello. I don't know who you are, but hi. Oh, I probably swiped him at some point in the past. <laughs> He's like, oh, that girl. Uh, anyway. Oh, what was I even saying? <laughs> okay. So that's okay. You can keep that on there. We can keep that. You don't have to edit that out. Okay. So yeah, I thought life coaching was, I was embarrassed to do it. Okay. I just, I was attending a church at the time and, and I, I think even the pastor had even talked down about motivational stuff. Meanwhile, he is totally that type. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Don't get me started with that. Okay. So, <laughs> so I was embarrassed um, to even think of going to a life coach, but a friend, a good friend of mine, said, you know, I was, I was motivating her about something. She said, you know, you remind me of this, this other good friend I have. You, you guys should talk because you sound like her. I was like, oh, okay. I ended up talking to this friend who was a life coach and she switched my brain like magic. <laughs> she made something click by the end of our conversation that was so deeply meaningful, meaningful, so profound to get me to believe to actually believe that it was possible, to believe that it was possible that I could do something that I love as a job. Now, I was, I told you that I was religious at the time, and, and I think sometimes I did the religion thing right and pure and fun and lighthearted and beautifully, and then sometimes I did it condemningly and like with a bad idea. But, um, you know, things still happened at that time, and, and, and cool God things still happened despite my doing it right sometimes and doing it wrong sometimes. And one of the things that happened is I, you know, I, I had that coaching call, my first one in my life with that coach who in an hour had my brain believing that I could actually, because I didn't honestly believe I could. I was afraid, too fearful, but she awoke a desire deep in me. She, 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 she asked questions that just switched something on for me that hadn't been on probably since high school. 
And and then by the end of that, I just could care less what anyone thinks. It was just too, I was just too overwhelmed with something beautiful. So, oh, the God thing, right. Okay. So this is what happened. She, you know, one of the, one of the many professional coaching techniques is a vision board. And it sounds, you know, hocus pocus, but it's actually just on a very basic level how humans work. You have a picture of something you want in in your brain, and that's what you go for in life. (laughs) And that's what a vision board does. It just materializes that, and it keeps it steady so that you can focus on it. So I put on the wall through a coaching conversation, this was one of the little tips and tricks that we did. It's a technique. I put on a piece of paper all of the qualities of the kind of role that I would want, that I would want to switch to put it on the wall, and I was at an Indian restaurant. This is the God part of this, right? Uh, This is the whole reason why I just said sometimes, uh, you know, good God things happen, sometimes, you know, uh, uh, all of that. So I was in an Indian restaurant at that same time. uh, You know, I'd put the vision thing on the wall. I had overcome the shame of having had gone to a life coaching session because it was just too profound of an experience. So I was like, I don't care if you hate it. It's important to me and I'm doing it. And uh, I was no longer embarrassed. But I went to this um, Indian restaurant and an Indian waiter came over and I didn't know him personally. But at the time, like I said, I was, um, you know, uh, religious, going to church and all. And so I did pray. I did believe in God. I also believed in myself. And this waiter said to me, you know, you know, I'm very you know, religious. I I pray to God and he had a very strong Indian accent. He was from India. He was just there in New York, uh, earning some money to send home to India. And he said, you know, I'm here alone. I, I pay, um, you know, I, 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 with my pay, I I send it back to my family. And he said, I pray every morning and I hear from God. I talk to God. This is what he said. And he said, I I feel something in my heart for you that God wants you to know. And I was like, oh, here we go. Um, he said, you're going to get a new job within 30 days. And I said, well, well, actually, sorry. He said one month, which is 31 days, right? I, he didn't say how many days. I, I might have messed it up. He said one month. He said, within one month, you will have a new job. And I did not get deep with this guy. Like, it was kind of like, what the, you know, it's like one of those non-religious contexts would be like a psychic coming up to you and saying, you will get a job offer, you know? That's what it was like. And I, I you know, <laughs> I, I sometimes question whether you question my sanity altogether but um the other times I actually do believe and hope that there's a God and and in that moment I did and I thought wow oh really oh cool okay so I just treasured that in my heart and guess what (laughs) on the 30th day that he said that I think it technically was day 31 I got an offer for a job that ticked all the boxes on my vision board checklist it was amazing. And that role was in New York City, in Manhattan, in Radio City Music Hall's buildings. I had my own office. And those of you who know me from that role, I was senior marketing manager. You guys know who are my friends and uh, uh, colleagues. You'll, you'll know which company that was. But it was so exciting. I loved it. I loved my role. And the funny thing is, I actually got a promotion during the interview. I actually applied for a lower ranking role. And during the interview, the person who interviewed me said, well, no, I think you're actually overqualified. And I'd like to offer you this this higher role. How beautiful is that, guys? <laughs> like, how amazing is that? So now you understand why personal coaching is so deeply important to me. It, it just It just flips a switch in your brain when you can't flip it yourself. 
sometimes, sometimes you know, if if you believe that there's a God, the God will help you too sometimes as well, <laughs> and and just encourage you along the way. And actually, if there is a God who is the God that this book Love Wins talks about, He definitely wants you to be responsible for your happiness, and that's when He pops in alongside of you and supports you in that. <laughs> and I think that's the new idea of God that I that I've been understanding is you don't just lay flat on the floor and wait for Him to move you. You move, and then He supports you. If it's a, you know, if he's a he or she, I cater to all genders, whatever you want to think of him or her. But anyway, so how amazing is that, guys? How amazing is that? So the Middle Finger Project really is about going for what you love. And I think it's really catered probably mostly to women, but uh, um, because she makes so many jokes of, as a female, so probably females would relate a little bit more to it. But I think anyone could really read it and get a good laugh. And, she, and, and I can't even remember the author's name. Oh, Ash. Ashley. Is, I know I think it's Ashley because I always get emails now from her, you know, constantly with, you know, those automated emails that are impersonal, but they're hilarious. And um, uh, I actually want to read all of them, but I just don't make the time to because I have other priorities. But Ashley something is her name. Um, I'm sure there aren't many books titled The Middle Finger Project if you go looking for it. But she talks about, look, there are four reasons to go for something that you do as a career. And I think it's worth me repeating them. I think it's definitely worth repeating them because we have a pandemic of COVID in, in the world right now. But we all, it, worse than that is we have a pandemic of people stuck on that um that conveyor belt people who like me are having all of these physical symptoms maybe your glasses that you're wearing or because you're in a job they hate maybe those these anxiety pangs you have in your chest that you're going to the heart doctor about is because you're not courageous yet enough you don't have someone there to encourage you you don't have someone who yet who's flicked that switch in your brain to give you the vision the vision literally of where you want to be and help you believe that it can happen and uh, so it's worth me just reading it again because there's too many people in the world who are doing things that they're unhappy with and it's causing depression, anxiety, and physical symptoms of all sorts. I'm just going to pull it up. Here I go. I actually, I, I think I've told you guys, I have um, a photo gallery. Well, everyone has a photo gallery in their phone, but one of them, I name, one of the you know folders of photo galleries, I named Vision Board. So now I have a digital vision board. And in that digital vision board, I keep a little screenshot of that this part of the book that she talks about to remind me and keep me remembering why, you know, keep me remembering to question my motivations for whatever career path or job path uh, or business venture path I go down. I'm just looking for it. Where is it? Let's see. Vision board. There it is. Okay. Here it is. I am scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, so many great things in my vi- my digital vision board. You guys should do this too. Look, if you do it, you will be a happier person. So set your alarm for, I mean, like if you're super busy, super busy, then set an alarm for 30 seconds and just focus on it for 30 seconds a day. Even look guys, even 15 seconds, just do it once a day, right when you wake up or before you go to sleep. Trust me, your life will change. At least you'll be, your day will be happier. Guaranteed. <laughs> okay. Middle finger project. Here we go. All right. So I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking to you. Yes, you. Ask yourself what, you know, look, look at what you're doing right now to earn money and ask yourself, 
which one of these four scenarios do you relate to? Okay. So which one of these four ideas do you relate what you do currently to? Number one, freelance consulting and supply chain chain management. Since this is your background, I'm so sorry you've been traumatized. Okay. So she's, she's listing here. Uh, hold on. Let me back up a second. Yeah. So this is four different ideas that you want to pursue. This is an example, right? And the different reasons why you do them. So which one of these four do you relate to? The one that, the, the role that you have right now, the business that you run right now, or the career that you have right now, which one of these four is it? One, freelance consulting and supply chain management. You, you know, you, maybe you do something like that. This is your, because this is your background. <laughs> she said, I'm so sorry you've been traumatized in little parentheses because she's making a funny comment. Okay, number two, restoring vintage, vintage furniture because you love, love, italicized, love it. Three, setting up a website that creates authentic, off-the-beaten-path travel itineraries for people traveling to France, given that your husband is French and you spend 50% of the year there. Or four, creating some kind of company that recycles Amazon boxes in an all-new way because it bugs you how many boxes you have piled up in your living room and you know there's got to be a better way. So which one of those four do you feel matches and aligns with your motivations for what you're doing right now? Hmm. You can rewind that and play it back if you're not sure. Although I'm sure you related to one of them by listening to them. And I rushed through that at the end of the last show. It's too big. It's too important. It's a pandemic going around now. And, and, and look, I, it takes a lot of courage to amazing courage and vision to make a career or job change and planning it takes planning you kind of you do need support <laughs> i needed it i i, I mean I, my story required it my story required it from both a friend of a friend who was a coach and god himself apparently <laughs> um but also myself um so it might take time and it might mean that until you have the courage, you have uh, one of the roles that you don't want until you get the courage to jump in more aggressively to get the thing that you do want. That was a long uh, cleanup segment. Look, there's a lot to clean up. The world needs to be cleaned up from this uh, this pandemic of unhappiness, <laughs> of not being authentic to the fire in you that you long ago let others snuff out. You know what? We got to talk about mission. We, we have to go to the Mission Impossible segment because it's just so essential to my my show here. Oh, but what about crypto? Crypto is so important as well. Oh, crypto, crypto, crypto. Hmm. Okay. Well, we have about 10 minutes. Maybe I'll do five minutes of each one. I think we'll do that. Okay. Yes. All right. Let's talk about crypto. So this is cuddling with crypto. That That's the... <laughs> Cuddling with Crypto is the name of the segment. And I don't know if this is just a self-fulfilling prophecy, but literally I'm in my bed doing crypto every time I do crypto. Why is that? I just love being in my bed with my laptop doing crypto. And just this morning I was in my bed There's uh, <laughs> and I was um, downloading a wallet to put some of my crypto tokens into. And this was Pirate Chain. And the ticker for that is R A R R R, which is really fun. And <laughs> so I bought that token. You know, there are over 9,600 as of right now, roughly that. It'll, I'm sure it will continue to increase uh, <laughs> daily. Um, but there are over 9,600 tokens you can buy. Bitcoin is only one of them, guys. There are lots more. And Pirate Chain's the one that, uh, one of the maybe 10 that I own right now. 
Uh, and, and obviously I own several of them, not thousands of dollars worth, just actually <laughs> probably about right now with the value. I think the value right now is about $7.50 roughly at some point today was $7.50 per token. And I bought it at $6.50. And I bought about, uh, honestly, I, okay, so I did a little bit. That's my second round of buys. I actually had sold it all. Um, because I saw the money, I saw it all going down. And so I was like, oh, you know what? Let me just sell uh, without losing any. Like, so I sold at a tiny profit. And then when I saw it going back up again after making a big dip, I bought in again. So I bought in again at 650 per token. And now it's up to 750. But, um, uh, you know, uh, supposedly it's a privacy coin, it's better technology than some of its competitors. So, you know, there's hope out there that it's going to go multiply higher than that. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But all we can do is go based on, uh, you know, educated research. So, um, so in my bed, I'm sitting with my laptop, just loving life, downloading a freaking token wallet for Pirate Chain. And the reason why I, you know, I downloaded the wallet for it is because it's one of those small coins at this point. It's not as big as Bitcoin, so you have to like download a special wallet for it. It's a it's a software application that. Uh, you know, gets the coins off of the exchange where you bought it from, right? So you buy your coins on an exchange, like a marketplace. It's another software, right? Online. It's a website. You go to a website, aka an exchange, a certain kind of website called an exchange. You buy the tokens, but as long as you're buying and selling, the the owners of the exchange, the people who the who run the exchange, have your 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 private uh, wallet code. Let's call it that. And you don't you don't get it. So they own it as long as it's on the exchange. So in order for you to actually own the coin, um, you know, you can buy it and sell it, of course. But if you want it in, you know, if it, let's just say if someone hacked into the exchange, right? Someone hacked into the exchange, they could take your tokens. That's that's what my point is. By keeping it on the exchange, if the exchange gets hacked, they could take your tokens. That's why you go on the exchange. It's just to buy and sell and take your tokens off when you can. Some people leave their, and, and reputable uh, you know, traders and investors will leave their tokens on an exchange because they have some sell orders that they've put in. You know, they, they're, they're, they have a plan to move those coins. So you can leave it on the exchange, but make sure it's a trusted exchange. But, uh, well, but when you want to take it off the exchange or just let it sit and grow for a while and, and keep it safe so that it can't be hacked on the exchange, you put it into something called a private wallet. So um, I had to go to this pirate chain website and download their own wallet because the main popular wallets that most of the other coins uh, go on, this one wouldn't, pirate wouldn't go on that because it's that new. It doesn't, you know, these other po more popular wallets aren't uh, capable of uh, hosting or um, keeping this pirate chain uh, coin for you, for me. So anyway, so so I'm loving doing doing this thing, and I'm thinking I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I'm just loving life right now. How silly and funny and weird is that? <laughs> like it just, I just felt really satisfied doing this little thing. It felt responsible. I, it was on my to do list to do it because you know it's a safe thing to do. So I just told you one of the coins that I have, Pirate Chain. Let's all hope and pray that it really goes in the direction that <laughs> that we're all hoping that it goes. But um, I will be watching the price. And if I see it 
start to, you know, if I see it start, to, you know, it, it bounces all day long, but, you know, uh, maybe it goes between, you know, $6 and $7 or between 8 and 10 or some coins will go within one day. They'll bounce between much greater ranges than that, right? Uh, huge uh, dips and rises. Um, but I'll, I'm going to keep my eye on that. And, and if it starts going down again, I will uh, put the coins back onto the exchange and sell them and not make sure I don't lose. I haven't lost any money yet, yet, uh, with these coins, because if, if, if it doesn't hit the price, um, you know, if it goes below my, the price that I bought it, I just leave it on the exchange. And yes, uh, the, I'm on mostly trusted exchanges. I think I'm on all good exchanges. It's still a little scary leaving them on there, but, um, I just wait until the price pops back up again. Sometimes that can be weeks, months. <laughs> I haven't been in crypto long enough to say longer than that, but, um, I'm waiting. And so far the ones that I've, most of the ones that I've been waiting for have, have actually um, come through at the price that a recovered price that I'm not losing and I sell, I get rid of it and then I buy a new one. Okay. That's five minutes. That's my cuddling with crypto. And now for the mission impossible segment. Hmm. What shall I say for the mission impossible segment? Hmm. You know, well, in the first episode or two or three in one of those, really what was so important to me, um, was running my own business because I feel like although I've been very successful in the corporate world working for big companies they're not my companies I want my own company because I love the feeling of being you know understanding what it is fully that I'm doing and being able to align fully with uh, a clear vision and you don't always get that actually you just don't get that clearly in in a company it's very hard unless unless you're good friends with the CEO or you know the, the director you really don't understand the heart of a company. And I, so I want to be that, you know, I, I just want to fully own the vision for what I do 40 hours a week. And so that, that was the mission impossible in the first episodes. And then, but that was me trying to coach myself through those episodes. And then uh, as episodes went on, I chatted with my personal coach and we uh, talked about what's really important to me and what really makes me happy. And as you know, from other episodes, it is a man. <laughs> um, I really want, uh, you know, I, I think the thing that makes me happiest is um, the idea of meeting a beautiful man who um, makes me feel that boom when he walks in the room and it's worth waiting for because I don't really want any less than that. I've already tried settling several times for less than that and I just feel kind of dead inside. I just feel kind of like, well, you know, and I'm not just, I'm just not doing that again. And so I kind of feel like the business vision that I have for myself of owning my own business is kind of like the taking care of me part of my, my current mission right now, you know, making me live my best and preparing myself mentally, emotionally, physically for when I do meet Mr. Boom. <laughs> and look, that might not ever happen, but I'll tell you what, I am not settling. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. It is better to, oh, there's so many different versions of, of this in memes on the internet, but it is better to be alone than to be with someone and feel alone. Because when you're alone, 
first of all, I don't think that's a bad word. And it's so sad to me that that word is looked down upon as something sad, that lonely is something sad. Being alone is something sad, is, is sad to me because it's a beautiful thing when you can be alone and be with yourself and enjoy your own company. And why is that so hard? Anyway, so the idea of being with someone and feeling alone, but being stuck in that because you've committed, right? I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) I'm not going to feel alone again. Thank God we live in a country or sorry, thank God we live in a culture where we have so many technology advancements that we can basically take care of ourselves. And if we want community, we can have community. There's meetup. There's Facebook events. <laughs> there's charity organizations. There's the homeless person on the corner. That's a great feeling, guys. If you're ever feeling depressed, go bring something to the homeless guy in the corner and you will instantly feel better. I'm telling you, I felt like I've met God before and when I felt really sad. And then, you know what? I have something to give away. Let me go just like give something to the guys in the corner. And it has made my heart feel alive like, like nothing else. Anyway, so loneliness... Um, yes, that, that can be even worse or amplified if you're with stuck in a commitment <laughs> uh, and feeling lonely. So I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle. And I was, oh, I was just watching something the other day. What was it? I was watching the, a Netflix series. Um, I think it's something of the Titans with The Rock hosting it. By the way, I binge watched the entire season the other night. I love that show so much. But one of the girls, I think it was that show, one of the girls has, uh, one of the competitors had do, Don't Ever Settle tattooed on her hip. And I thought, oh, yes. Nope, I'm not going to settle. It's just such a great tattoo. Great reminder. So in my impossible mission, I'm staying true. And as I'm dating, I am listening to my heart. And it takes courage to do that, guys. Wish me courage. Because <laughs> I am chatting with... Mm. So <laughs> wish me courage. Wish me courage as I chat with uh, lovely Australian and oh, and non-Australian uh, men. So... Is that all that I'd like to say? Is that the end of today's episode? The end. Oh, you know, I, I realized in the last several episodes, I have not given you guys a way to contact me. Although I was doing that pretty uh, consistently for so many of the other shows. But if, if for some reason someone listens to this show other than my good friends, if there's, some, if there's a third person listening to this show, then please go to mrsimpossible.com, M-I-S-S. Es impossible.com and that'll bring you to a blog page on my coaching website and that blog page has all the different ways you can contact me so please do that all right guys well you know i do love a british accent and uh australian accent can be beautiful just as beautiful as well not the outback one that's a little bit more uh uh that's just i want to say beautiful i might uh, we can put another positive word on that but um so anyway you know i love the british accent and oliver is the name of the gentleman the electronic man who wants to wish you well on your whatever your mission is this week so take it away oliver it is now time to execute your mission i do not wish you luck i wish you unstoppable pure hearted desire clarity and action 